Thank you. If you're here with, uh, with your Bibles here today, why don't you take them and turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. I want to thank you for coming this morning and being here, and also want to thank Pastor Fury. Uh, give me the opportunity to bring the message this morning. At this time, we'll have the children dismissed to Junior Church as they go, and as you're turning in your Bibles... Uh, for that, the message this morning Matthew chapter 7, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 14. You know, we're probably getting to the time of year, I know for myself, uh, starting to think about vacation. Uh, I know it's springtime, and, but you know, summer's just around the corner. And a lot of times we think about vacation, and I'll be honest with you, many of the vacations that I plan are what uh, they call single destination. A single destination is basically uh, getting to a destination, and then you enjoy yourself, right? Uh, it's just getting to that place, and then you can relax and enjoy yourself while you're there, and then getting back home and back to the routine of life. But there's other vacations that I've, I've never really planned one this way, but I've heard about them. It's called the road trip. And it's basically, a, a you know, you're going to enjoy... You know, you got a destination in mind. You know where you're going. But the trip is, the enjoyment of that trip is getting there. It's enjoying the sights and the events and all the things that happen on the way to that place and then coming back home. And that's kind of, you know, different ways people, tra- they talk about or they plan their vacation. Uh, a husband said... You know, he was a husband and his wife were talking about vacation. He hung a map on the wall of North America in their kitchen. And he said to his wife, he said, now, honey, here's a dart. And wherever that dart lands, that's where we're going for two weeks. And so she threw the dart and he says, looks like we're spending two weeks behind the fridge. Another man said, my wife and I never agree on vacations. I want to go to exotic islands and stay in five-star hotels and go to expensive restaurants. She wants to go with me. Let me ask you this question this morning. How do you look at your life? Is it a single destination? Are you looking for a, you know, you look at life as like, I just want to get to retirement. I just want to get to whatever success may be, and then I can enjoy my life. Then I can relax, and I can enjoy life. Or do you look at your life as a road trip? I'm going to enjoy this life every step of the way. There's different ways of viewing life. Someone said this about the Christian life, and it made me think. 
about my life as a Christian. The journey of faith is often better than the sought-after destination. Now, I thought about that. I didn't agree with that statement at first. I thought, you know, in a spiritual realm, what's what's the destination? It's heaven. What's better than heaven? <laughs> I mean, how can anything in this life be better than what we're going to have in heaven? But I don't think that's what the writer was saying. I think a lot of times we think so, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to heaven. I'm not looking forward to being with my Savior. And definitely that's going to be a better place. But, you know, I cannot, but I also need to realize I think the Lord Jesus Christ wants me to enjoy my life. You know, I think not only has my Savior planned a destination for me, I mean, I believe Jesus Christ is planning a place for me based on John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. But, you know, I believe also he's planned a life for me. He's planned out this life. And I think he's, you know... I think he wants me to enjoy this life and, and enjoy the blessings that he has for me along the way till I reach that final destination. You see, the Christian life is a journey. It's living by faith, going through, yes, going through the hardships, and we all have the hardships. We all face the problems, and, and I'm no different than anybody else. We have, you know, I have my problems. I'm facing my hardships. But, you know, I cannot allow the hardships and the difficulties to overshadow the blessings that God has given me. And, folks, God has given me some wonderful blessings. And I have some, you know, there are great things that God has done for me and is going to continue to do for me. There are some wonderful blessings in my future that God has planned for me. And I want to enjoy them. I want to have all the blessings that God has prepared for me and enjoy every one of them. And so as we travel this journey, and what's a journey? You know, a journey is defined as the act of traveling from one place to another or traveling through this world. And while we're traveling, I think God has given us some resources. He's given us a plan. And we can enjoy this life on our way to this wonderful destination called heaven. And so I'd like to give you three spiritual resources giving for our journey of faith. And so let's take a look at these one by one. Number one, one resource is persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Notice it says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Uh, so what do we see here? We see here the keys. The keys to answered prayer. What is prayer all about? I think this verse, for chapter 7, or rather chapter 7, verse 
7, in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, he kind of defines prayer and what prayer is all about in those simple words, doesn't he? If you're asking, you want something, right? You don't ask for something unless you want it. You don't go seeking something unless you lost it. And you don't go knocking on someone's door unless you really need it. And that's basically prayer, isn't it? It's asking because you want something. It's seeking because you've lost something. Let's stop there for a moment. You know, there are people today seeking something. I wonder if you're here this morning and you're seeking. You're seeking because you've lost. Maybe you've lost the peace. You've lost that peace that bringeth all understanding. And you don't have it anymore. And you're asking God, God, where is that peace? Because I've lost it. You can find it. You can find it. Maybe you're saying, Lord, I'm looking for the joy I used to have. I'm looking for that joy that came when I got saved, and I don't have it anymore. Well, you keep, you know, go to the Lord, and you'll find it. And maybe you're here today, and you're seeking something. Maybe you're seeking the forgiveness of sin. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus came to this earth, what did he say? I have come to seek and to save the lost. I'm so thankful he came to seek me because I was lost. And I needed help. And praise the Lord, I received him as my Savior. And maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You're seeking something. You're seeking the forgiveness of sin. You're seeking uh, a peace that you can't find in this world. You're seeking a joy that you see that someone else has and you don't have it. And you're looking for it. You're seeking for it. Listen, you've come to the right place. Maybe you're at the crossroad in your life. And you're come, and I'm here to tell you, you're in the right place right now. And maybe you're watching online, and you're seeking that, and you've come to the right place. Because right here, you can find Christ. And he's the one you're seeking for. And all you have to do is accept him as your personal savior. Like so many people here have done already. They were seeking, they were at the crossroads in their life, and they found Christ. And now they have the peace, they have the joy, and now they're going to a better, they're going to, they have that destination, they're going to heaven. And the forgiveness of sins and all that comes with that, because they sought and they found what they were looking for. And you can find it too. And then if you're knocking, you want something. You need something. 
You need it. You need it. And you come to the right place because Jesus Christ, he fulfills our needs. And so in this life that we're traveling, we have persistent prayer. We can go to the throne of God and we can find uh, an answer to our prayers by asking, by seeking, and by knocking. But there's two important issues that come with prayer that we have to talk about because it's a part of our prayer as a Christian. One issue, an important issue, is sin. When we come to God in prayer, is there sin in our life? Is there habitual sin in our life that we have and we're doing and we know it's wrong and we know it's not right, but yet, We're living in sin. Can we expect our prayers to be answered? There's an issue of sin. The Bible talks about this. Let's turn in your Bible. Let's do a little Bible study here. Go to with me to Psalm chapter 66. Here's what David said about his sin in regards to prayer. Psalm chapter 66 and verse 18 He said this, the the words of David, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if if I hold on to that sin and I have this sin in my heart, unconfessed, habitual sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's what he said about his sin. Let's go over to another passage of Scripture, this time in the New Testament, and let's take a look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 1. James chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice here, the writer says, From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your, of your lusts? That war in your members, ye lust and have not, ye kill and ye desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know uh, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. What is he talking about? He's talking about repentance. (laughs) See your sin, acknowledge your sin, and then repent. And what happens when we repent? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 
We need to repent of our sin. And, and of course, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, verse 9 especially, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when it comes to prayer, there is the issue of sin. Do I have sin in my life? Can I really expect God to answer my prayer if I have sin in my heart? And then another issue that we want to look at is the issue of submission. Am I willing to submit to God's will? Because, you know, not everything I ask for, I receive. I've asked for many things and didn't get, or I'm still waiting. And I have to wait. And I have to submit to the fact that I have to wait. I have to wait for God's timing. I got to wait for God to do his work, either in my life or in the life of someone else. That's not easy, is it? When you're waiting for God to work in the life of someone else. (laughs) Because what does that mean? I have no control. I have no control. Because I can't control anybody else but me. And when it comes to someone else, then i got to wait on the Lord. And that takes time. And so am I submissive to God's will, to allowing God to do his work and waiting for him to do his work, even my life and the life of someone else? That's submission, learning to wait, willing to allow him to do that. Turn with me to 1 John, another portion of Scripture we can look at. 1 John chapter 5. And verse 14. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. Notice it says this. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask... We know that we have the petitions that, are, that we desire of him. So there's a submission there. Am I willing to be submissive to the will of God? Whatever that may be, regardless of my wants and my desires, am I willing to wait and to allow to work his plan in my life? That's a big part of answered prayer. Learning how to wait And let God do his work. Someone said this, the Lord cannot share his plan for our life until we commit to following him no matter what. Are you willing to follow God and allow him to work in your life no matter what? No matter what happens. No matter where God sends you, no matter what God brings in your life, are you willing to follow that? That's submission. And that's a part of answered prayer. Therefore, surrender must precede even our prayers for guidance. And so we have the persistent prayer. 
Be persistent. As Jesus said back in our text, Matthew chapter 7, he said, ask or keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking because God answers prayer. And then number two, the second resource is a primary principle. So we got prayer. What's another resource to enjoy this journey in life? It's a primary principle. Notice what Jesus said in verse 12. He says this, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, normally, this is titled the golden rule. I think we all know the golden rule. Do unto others as they do unto you. Wait a minute. Is that the golden rule? (laughs) Is that what it said? I'm going to do to other people, I'm going to treat people the way they treat me. Is that what Jesus said? That's That's what a lot of people think. But that's not what it said, does it? It says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Meaning this, I'm not going to treat people necessarily the same way they treat me because some people don't treat me very kindly. You say, amen, brother. My wife does not treat me very good. My wife, boy, I tell you. My husband, whew. But that's not what it says. It says, no matter how they treat you, you still do good to them. You treat them like you would want to be treated. Even though they don't do that to you, you still treat them that way. Why? Why do that? Because that's not the philosophy of this world. That's not we're going. That's what we're going, not going to get from the unsaved. The unsaved is, you know, vengeance, revenge. I mean, that's all around us today. That's all we see today. But that's not the Christian way. The Christian way is even though they're being unkind to you, you be kind to them, and that's hard to do sometimes. But why do we do that? Because that's the right thing to do. You say, well, what do you mean the right thing? That is the right thing to do as a Christian. I'm not talking to unsaved people because they don't understand that. I'm talking to saved people who know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we, we can't understand that. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. Isn't that what the Bible says? Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ Jesus forgave you. That's where that comes from. And that's the right thing to do. But why don't we do that all the time? Why don't I do that all the time? When I know it's the right thing, when I know that's what I should do, why don't I do it? Because I'm afraid. Because fear. 
Fear is real. I mean, there's a fear. What do we fear sometimes? Sometimes we fear the future. Well, if I do this, if I do the right thing, what's going to happen? How's that going to, what's going to, what's going to be the result of that? How's that going to work out in my life if I do the right thing? Because, you know, it looks like in my eyes, if I do the right thing, then, boy, I, I could have trouble down the road. You know, if I'm kind to people that are unkind to me, people could take advantage of me. People might, uh, you know, do, you know, take advantage of my kindness and take advantage of my good-naturedness. And do I want that? That's the fear. Or sometimes we, we don't do the right thing because... It's out, it, it, it's out of our control. I can't control these things. And, and now I'm placing control of my life in the hands of someone else. And what's going to happen with that? How's that going to work out in my future? And so sometimes we're afraid to do the right thing. We're afraid to follow this rule because we don't know what the future holds. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't tell you what's going to happen 10 years from now, the results of doing these things. You know, sometimes we're afraid because a problem, the problem we see today can actually be a blessing in the future. It's a blessing. You ever heard that phrase before? It's a blessing in disguise. You ever had that happen to you? Where you had a problem and actually it worked out to be a blessing. That's how God works sometimes. But that's, but that's, but that's the unknown, and we don't know how that's going to work out. There was a man. Now, this is going back many, many years ago. There was a man who bought a barometer. Now, this is back before modern technology of predicting the weather, all right? This, they didn't have satellites. They didn't have weathermen or forecasts and all the... But a man, you know, he says, I want to know the, the, when the weather changes so I can be prepared. So he bought a barometer. You know what a barometer is, right? A barometer is something that measures the atmospheric pressure, and a lot of times, weather is depending on the atmospheric pressure at that time. So when it changes, all right, things, you know, the weather may change. So he bought a barometer, and he bought an expensive one. And when that barometer arrived at his house, he noticed when he put it up, the needle was pointing to a hurricane. He thought, wait a minute. It's a beautiful day outside. And so he shook it and shook it, but that needle wouldn't move. It stayed there. And man, was he mad. Oh, was he mad. And he was so angry, he sat down and he wrote the company a letter. This was back in the days when it didn't have communication like today. So he wrote a letter, and on his way into work, he mailed it. Well, when he got back home, that barometer was gone. 
And so was his house. Because a hurricane had come through and wiped it out. Who was right? The barometer was right. He didn't trust the barometer. He couldn't, you know, it didn't make sense to him. How, How can this be? But it was right. You know, God has given us a barometer, hasn't he? In a way. Right here. Right here. Right here. This is the barometer of the spiritual life that we're living. You know, a lot of people look at this Bible and they say, creation? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, creating this world in six days? It just doesn't make sense. There is actually a hell? There's a hell? That just doesn't make sense. That can't be right. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ who never sinned, Jesus Christ who arose from the grave, the world looks at that and says, that doesn't make sense. There's a heaven? I mean, there's really a place after this. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, but that's what the Bible says. All of those things are in the Bible, and all those things are what we believe. And who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust what everybody else thinks, or am I going to trust the barometer, the Word of God? And say, if that's what the Bible says, and so therefore, when it comes to my future, the primary principle is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, trusting that God is going to take care of everything. That's faith. Trusting God, living your life by faith. You see, my, my destiny, is my future based on my destiny? Is my future based on what's going to happen tomorrow? No. What is the Bible saying? Your future is based on your character today. You notice that? Outside of salvation and discipleship, the Bible never really tells you what to do on the major decisions in life. It doesn't tell you who to marry, as far as the person to marry. It doesn't tell you what occupation you should have. It doesn't tell you where you should live. It doesn't tell you any of those things. But what does it do tell you? It tells you, do the right thing today. Do the right thing today. And you know what? That'll take care of tomorrow. And then if you do the right thing tomorrow and the right thing after that day and the right thing after that day, if you just keep doing the right thing day after day after day, guess what? God's going to lead you. 
and you'll have a path to follow. That's what the Bible, isn't that what Jesus said? Notice in chapter 6, let's go to chapter 6, and notice what it says in verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient thereof the day is the evil thereof. You see, your, your future is based on your character today. Will you do the right thing today? And then that'll, that'll help, that'll send you to the next day and every day after that. And that's following the word of God. And so we have a primary principle. And then number three, the third resource is a prescribed path. Persistent prayer, a primary principle, and a prescribed path. Notice what it says in verse 13. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A prescribed path. What does prescribed mean? It means lay down as a rule, to give as an order, as when a doctor writes down a medicine for you to take, what do we call that? A prescription, all right? They have a path for you. The doctor says, I can help you get well again, but you got to take the prescription. You got to take the medicine, and it can help you. God has given us a prescribed path. He's given us a prescription to enjoy this life and to lead us to a destination that one day we'll not regret, we'll not be sorry for if we follow his path. And where is it? Well, he says, straight is the gate or not easily accessible. You know, in Jerusalem, there were many gates that entered the city, some large, all right? Some were broad, and usually those broad, large gates were where all the dignitaries would come in. All the visitors and all the most people traveling through, they would come through the wide gate, the most popular gate. But there were other gates that entered the city of Jerusalem, and they were smaller. And they were used by the laborers and the slaves. And they knew about those gates, and they entered those ways. And they were less popular. They were less well-known. But they were entrances into that city. What is Jesus saying here? Enter the gate. Enter a gate that is less accessible or not as well-known as the world. We would, say, we would say today, take the path less traveled. Because that's sadly what it is, isn't it? Not everybody takes the narrow way. 
They say, well, you know, I'm going to take the wide way. I mean, that's where everybody else is going. That's where everybody else is traveling. That's how everybody else is. That must be the right way. That must be the way that leads to where a destination that I can enjoy. I'm going to follow where everyone else is going. But Jesus says, no, 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 don't follow that way. Because why? Because that path leads to destruction. Take the narrow way. Take the straight gate. Because that's the path that leads to life. I had the fortunate, uh, being fortunate to travel many paths in my life. I've traveled highways uh, through southern Ontario where uh, I'm amazed. Nine, ten different lanes of traffic and just people, masses of people traveling down that path. Amazed at how many people can travel at one time. And I've had the, I've been able to travel in those highways. But I've been also able to travel in northern Ontario logging roads. <laughs> uh, a trail, no more than a trail uh, for one lane. And if you ever met somebody else on that trail, uh, you'd have to get off the path and allow one would have to pass. Two couldn't pass on that lane. It's just a logging road full of rocks and holes. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember one time uh, when we were up in uh, northern Ontario, I said, Dad, I found a fishing spot. And and so uh, I had a friend, member of the church up there, and and he told me about this secret fishing spot that he had. And he took me, and I caught some fish, and I got excited. I says, Dad, you know, you got to try this fishing spot. And he got excited. And so uh, I took him, and we went on this path, this logging road. And, you know, my dad says, Jeff, where you got me? This is going nowhere. What in the world are you doing? But I said, Dad, trust me. I Trust me. So finally, we got to the destination, and we caught some fish. And you know, my dad came back, and he told some of you. And some of you came up, and you traveled that same path, and you caught some fish, and you got excited. Because of the destination. You know, that's the way it is in the Christian life, isn't it? You know, the path is the path that we're leading is not very well taken. Not a lot of people on that path, but there's a destination. And there's a place for us. And it's worth it's worth it. You know, I'm thankful that Jesus said that the destination came after the journey. Right? He said, notice what he said in those verses. He says, uh, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. 
You see, you got to travel the journey before you get to the destination. I'm glad that's the way it is. Why? Because any way along the journey, you can repent and change course. You say, well, once you get on a path, you're, on, you're set for life, right? No. No, you're not. If you recognize you're on a path to destruction, aren't you thankful God gave you a chance to repent? And you can change the path. There was an exit for you. You didn't have to follow that path, knowing you're going to destruction, knowing you're going to a lost eternity, but you had the opportunity to change. And maybe that's the way you are here this morning. You see yourself on a path to destruction. You're not saved, but I'm here to tell you today, you can get off the Broadway. There's an exit for you, and you can get on the narrow path, and you can go to a better destination, the destination of life. Is that where you're headed? Is that the path you're on? Are you going to destruction? If you're on the path to destruction, change. You can change your path, and you can repent, and you can get on the narrow way. And you know, you say, well, preacher, why didn't God make that way easy? Why didn't he make it simple? Why, did, why is it the narrow way? Why is, it, why is it the path that, you know, nobody travels? Why is it the path of the minority? Why is it a path with all the problems and all the pitfalls? Why that path? I'm thankful that it's that way. Why? Because it encourages me to be, to be faithful and to persevere. You know, it encourages me that, you know, yes, it's hard sometimes, but, you know, there's good times as well. And I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be faithful to the very end. And at the end of that path, at the end of that prescribed path, there is a life for me. And it teaches me to be faithful. And that's where the blessing is. Isn't it going to be great to get to heaven and look back and say, you know what? To hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for the faithful. He's just asking us to be faithful. Let's be faithful on our journey to our destination. The process for seeking guidance is often slow, but we must wait. Running ahead or manipulating circumstances can be a costly mistake. Let's learn to wait. Let's learn to wait on the Lord and let Him answer our prayer. Let Him direct us through our character and doing what's right. Let Him Allow us to get on the path and stay on that path and be faithful unto the very end. Because when we do, then there's going to be a life for us, a life everlasting, a life that we can look back and be thankful that we had. You know, in this journey of life, we're kind of like Solomon, aren't we? Remember Solomon of the Old Testament? 
Solomon had a great task. As a young man, he was made the king of the nation of Israel, and he had a daunting task. What was that task? To lead the nation, to lead the children of Israel to the next step in their journey. And it was a daunting task that he recognized. And so one night, God came to Solomon, and he said, listen, if I could give you one thing, on this journey that you're on, if I could give you one thing, what would it be? And what did Solomon ask? He said, Lord, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. He wanted wisdom. And you know, God answered his prayer and he gave them wisdom and discernment for his life. And he was able to do some great things and lead Israel to a, a, a greater part and a place on their journey. Christian, let's learn to take time to seek God's wisdom. Seek his direction. Whatever it is in your life, listen, let God lead you. But take the time to seek him and let him lead you. Waiting isn't easy, but it's an important part. And if you're here today and you're unsaved, you're standing at the crossroads, which way will you choose? Choose Christ. Choose Christ today. You're in the right place. Now you just need to take that step of faith and let someone, and there's people here that can take a Bible and show you how you can have eternal life, to get on that prescribed path that will lead you to eternal life. Choose to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come, Lord, to just hear the Word of God. And Lord, may your Word do its work in the hearts and minds of the people here and those who are listening. Father, we pray that uh, as we think of our Christian life, Lord, help us to be patient and to trust you every step of the way. And Lord, if there's one here this morning that's not saved, they're at the right place. Lord, help them to take that step of faith, to trust you, to have the forgiveness of sins, to know that where they'll spend eternity, what a blessing. And then to have a life, the journey, this Christian life, knowing that all the blessings that we have come from our Savior. So Lord, bless us today. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, are you saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? That's a big step for some people because they've heard something different their whole life. But now they're asking me to, to take a step that it's the unknown. I don't know how it's going to work out. That's where you got to trust Christ, knowing that he knows what's better, knowing that the Bible is true, that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, and it's through Jesus Christ. If you're here today, well, we're going to have a time of invitation. You'll have an opportunity. If you want to come, someone can take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Christian, are you enjoying the journey? Are you enjoying the blessings of God in your life? 
where all you can see are the problems. All you can see is the difficulties. Let's enjoy the life God's given us. Let's let him lead us. Maybe you need to confess your sin today. Maybe there's something in your life that's holding you back. Why don't you confess that sin and get it right? Or maybe you're having a hard time submitting. You want to control your life. You want to have that control. You don't want to give that up. But you know, there is the only one that we can truly trust for our future is Jesus Christ our Lord because he's the only one who knows what the future holds. Will you submit? Will you let him guide you? Dear Lord, we thank you for, again, the opportunity to be here. May you do your work in the hearts of your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask Paul to come and finish the invitation.